Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlo Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars welcome to inside supercars and our program guests are samantha reed from nissan motorsport good evening samantha good evening craig thanks for having us along again and from tom wordsley media it's tom wordsley g'day craig great to be here Interesting, the uh, news that's being reported at the moment, uh, Viet Supercar driver Tob Kelly in the News Limited papers was lamenting the power restrictions placed on Nissan. It's a uh, story that's certainly uh, one that's been affecting them all year, but getting out into the open and publicly speaking about it for the first time. Uh, As I said, News Limited running that story on Sunday. In auto action this week, well, they've followed up the uh, News Limited story, speaking to the head of Nissan Global Motorsport, Darren Cox, who said he's backing the Kellys as the right team for Nissan. So that story, uh, the feature on Auto Action this week. Also talking about Shane Van, Gisbergen, Shane Van Gisbergen heading to Spa. And Gary Rogers has interestingly told Auto Action that he won't have any new parts for the Enduros. So as the rest of the field continues its development work, the Volvos are running what they've got. Sam, uh, Roland Dane has uh, had to refute sale talks of Triple Eight. Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, week in the media. The rumour mills have been in overdrive with the suggestion that Roland Dane plans to sell as much as 50% of his team to Brisbane-based uh, sand mining identity, Trinette Shipke. Now, Roland has denied the claims, uh, describing Shipke as simply a friend of his and also liking uh, the relationship to simply sponsorship, uh, much like Red Bull. But certainly the chatter up uh, around the pits is certainly suggesting that it might be something a little bit more than that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out in the next few weeks. Mm, of course, Speed Cafe with that story. And, uh, of course, Speed Cafe were, I think, the first to report about uh, uh, Peter Harker. Yeah, Peter Harker, the technical director, uh, technical manager, I should say, from Holden, 57 years of age, unfortunately suffered a heart attack trackside at the Townsville 500. I suppose uh, some would say if that's going to happen, it's the best place for it. Plenty of medics on hand to help him. And uh, luckily he is reported to now be recovering well after surgery to relieve some blocked arteries. And that was also uh, quickly reported by Speed Cafe as well. Mm. Now, uh, Tom, over at uh, Vair Supercar website, with all the bang and crash on Saturday, they had plenty, uh, plenty particularly on uh, penalties. That's right. Craig, uh, Charlie Schwerkold has come out and said that Todd Kelly should be suspended for uh, turning Perkins around in Saturday's opening race. Uh, much like a football-based penalty model, um, Schwerkold was upset with the $50,000 of damage to Perkins' car and um, has, has come out and basically demanded a revision of the, uh, the penalty structure. Um, that was reported on Saturday as well as Craig Lowndes questioning the weekend's penalties. This was on Sunday morning after being handed a two-spot grid 
place penalty, as well as a 25-point deduction for contact with Tander and Courtney in Saturday's race. He's upset because Will Davison more or less put him into the wall and received the same penalty, whereas his was just a bit of a, a bump and a nudge and uh, believes that there's a, a lot of discrepancies in, in the way that penalties are being, being dealt with. Meanwhile, Roland Dane is is annoyed that there wasn't any recognition of Lowndes' fastest lap in the shootout because of uh, because of the grid point penalty. And after all the carnage and uh, issues, Win Cup has made up the ground on the championship lead, as reported on Sunday night. He's saying that uh, FPR and, and Lowndes were quick out of the box this year, but after the uh, good results of, for him on the weekend and also... The slightly poorer results for the others, the, that he's in championship contention with 96 points, the difference. Our feature interview is up after the break. It's Rod Nash. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 supercars with Supercars Today. It's, it's no fun back there, trust me, trust me. It's no fun at all. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 supercars world. You'd be a proponent of that because you're not paying it for it. So I can promise you that um, ultimately for the people that are paying for it, it's not. A, it will never happen. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast today. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as V8 Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Our program guest is Rod Nash, and I sat down with Rod at Darwin to have a chat about his career, which of course started in Speedway, but now from one car wreck owner to FPR's co owner, it certainly has been an interesting journey. All right, he's here. Well, 17 years here we are in Darwin, uh, 17th time, so you sort of um, uh, pinch yourself a little bit um, at the Ministers, uh, Chief Minister's function the other night, Friday night, you sort of think, well, I've made a point of going to that night, just, uh, um, uh, you know, mainly because the, the government's done a great job up here, but um, you sort of think 17 times, um, you know, time passes you by when you're having fun, so to speak, but yeah, it's a um, great journey, and um, I certainly, when I transitioned from Speedway to um, the TAR, as I put it to John Faulkner at the time, um, I didn't expect that I'd be lunging into uh, a, a touring car slash, um, you know, V8 supercar um, module. So it's sort of uh, naturally come together, which has been good. But, yeah, great journey. The series is under a lot of um, change over the last two years, the new generation car coming in. We've seen a lot of change in the structure of uh, supercars and guess the year before even the ownership change uh, has all produced a a situation in the background that has been difficult for teams to manage through oh look um you know uh car of the future concept was uh 
uh, dreamed up now, you know, six years ago. So I think it was um, uh, anybody that was involved in those, um, um, uh, the, the initiatives to um, uh, come up with the Car of the Future concept needs to be uh, um, you know, well recognised because it's like anything, nothing lasts forever, forever. And I think uh, V8s uh, from the touring car days into the uh, Tiga Revesco days and then into the V8 supercar days, I think it's evolved really well. But, but you know, we would have been in a totally different place had we just sat on our hands and really done nothing. Um, so the Car of the Future concepts um, worked a treat to accommodate um, the modern day of what V8 supercars is going to be. But... Um, but yeah, sure. Along the way, I mean, we we move far, uh, you know, fast. We have a very long season, so we don't don't get too much uh, thinking music time to, um, you know, sit back and just probably take a bit more time to think of some of the controls we can control a little bit more in respect to, um, you know, cost reduction and uh, and just just. Uh, well, I think we do things really well, but um, it's like any business, um, and I'm you know. Um, I clearly state that things need to be run as a business in all levels, and uh, and I think we need to spend a bit more time in the modern day as uh, any business or any sporting entity is doing. The next big change will be the television, and going to a a live cable TV, live tape delayed free to air TV is going to be an interesting pivotal point in where the series goes next. Oh, this is uh, this is really uh, you know quite an evolution. This change. I mean, yeah. I mean, we go from just uh, our typical um, uh, TV station as we know them. You know, the, the the Channel Nine, the Channel Seven, and the Channel Tens over the years have all all been part of it. But this whole new um, uh, infrastructure of uh, of uh, our televised events has um, been taken to a whole new new um, uh, journey and and since James Warburton's uh, come on board I mean he's a bit of a um, guru in that department and it's great to see that he's uh, he's brought that to life um, in our entity because I think the um, you know the 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 paths that uh, we get to cross now with um, uh, all the 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 news corp uh, related um, entities, I think, uh, is is uh, is great for what we do, um, but certainly, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, work required to fill that um, uh, all that, those spaces that are going to be required for content. But I think it's a great opportunity for us, and uh, and collectively, it's um, yeah, we're going to have to step up to it. That's for sure. You mentioned James Warburton, and would you say now the relationship between teams and V8 supercars is more hand-in-glove than it was previously, perhaps hand-in-hand, where the the hands let go quite often? Yeah, look, um, you know, Tiga um, and Avesco V8 supercars was always two different entities, and um, and then uh, uh, when we all amalgamated, if you like, um, into V8 supercars, I still felt... Um, that we still had a, a teams versus a mothership, meaning V8 Supercars entity. Um, but uh, you know, I think through through a bit of time too, that's uh, that's moulded itself together. But there's no question in my book that, um, like any business, um, you know, a great leader um, and and obviously in James's 
um, position he's CEO and I think he's done a, a fantastic job in pulling that together and not only that I mean um, the teams are obviously um, all um, have, have one major common and that is we all have a manufacturer that we're aligned with one way or another and I, I think um, James has uh, done a great job of um, of getting that, that relationship of the, the true V8 supercars with the manufacturers so in turn that's just pulled the teams together with the with the uh, what I call the mothership so um, just by his, his natural ways of being a great communicator he's a fantastic salesperson but I think the the good communicator or great communicator as he as he is is um, I think it's just um, all pulled it together without actually putting a plan in place to, to do it the views expressed on inside supercars including the panelists and guests do not reflect the views of the network thunder media or sport radio any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of thunder media is strictly prohibited each week join the inside motorsport team as they look at all the news from across australia and around the world and you know every every year i see jackie's tour at the grand prix and i just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport and you're listening to Inside Supercars. To the... Uh topics of the day and uh, Samantha we certainly heard a lot about the bang and crash at Townsville. Yeah it was an interesting race but let's be honest it always is up there there's uh, walls pretty close and it sort of gets to the, the serious part of the year where it's you know the entry at it's well underway there's at this point there's a pretty clear leader but then there's a lot of people sort of fighting for position and really trying to prove that they're in they're still in the hunt for the championship so i think it's a timing thing it's a combination of the circuit and you know there's frustrations probably also part of it the fact that there's such a huge change in weather i've always wondered how that actually plays uh, a role with the driver's mindset uh, on the event and obviously the fatigue that comes with that as well. But, wow, we saw some action, as, as always, very entertaining for for the crowd, that's for sure. Yeah, it was indeed. And, uh, Tom, it, it's remarkable. We go so many races without too much bang and crash and then, bang, it all happens at one race meeting. It's almost as if they were saving it up for the streets of Townsville. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that we've had you know, such good driving standards in the first half of the year and then the first race at Townsville, almost half the field was called up to Jason Bargliner's office for a, a bit of a chat and the uh, safety car driver included. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was a crazy weekend. Look, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, he dominated practice and then, uh, well, he was there or thereabouts all weekend and, and really, Samantha, his his season but for Perth has been a solid one. Yeah it was interesting to to watch his progress through the weekend. Um, It's always hard with practice you know we've talked about it uh, many times before how tyres and and how we manage our tyres plays such a big role in 
in the lead up to an event and really can you judge where someone's pace is in those first few sessions. So it was interesting to see, you know, a few of the, the names up there. Uh, yeah, obviously, Nissan Motorsport showed some pace early on in those practice sessions, but we're sort of coming to realise that that tends to happen purely because of how they're managing their tyres in those sessions. And when it actually comes to the race, we've, we've got other factors playing in, like fuel consumption and the like, and some parity differences potentially, uh, that they end up splitting the field a different way. So it makes it hard to actually watch what's going on. I certainly have had a conversation with a number of people who are suggesting, well, you know, is it worth even following the coverage on the Friday when we really have no understanding of where, where the pace is at? Yeah, Tom, Friday is uh, is just a wasted day, as uh, many of us have often talked about. Uh, as as we always say, it's, we don't know the if people are uh, showing their true pace. We don't know if there's different tyres at play and it's just one of those things that it's an important part of the weekend but it doesn't actually tell us much about the weekend. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Now when we moved on to the race weekend though, uh, Jamie Winkup and uh, HRT, they were the two big, big improvers over what we've seen throughout this year and I guess with Winkup, well he's won so many races, I guess it's just that he had a form slump, uh, Tom, and then has come back with a vengeance. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it was so much as a form slump. It's just everyone was on top of things quicker than than he was. It's. Um, it was very unlike Win Cup to to have such a slow start to the year. Uh, just you know, I mean, he was on the podium twice in Adelaide, but. It, it, they haven't been the, the Win Cup results we've been used to, and um, I think there's a lot of people out there that are glad to see different winners, but um, it'll be interesting to see the the coverage leading into the next event, if he's on top, whether people are saying that it's boring, that he's always winning, or or if, if we're going to look at it as if uh, we've got a championship on our hands and there are several contenders. Mm. Now, Samantha, is, are pit mistakes playing too much into results, do you think? Yeah, that's an interesting thing that's come up in recent times, isn't it? It's, the, the thing with a pit stop, I, I suppose, is that we really need to make sure that we're not compromising too much safety because it is probably one of the most important parts of a race from both the perspective of playing a big role in terms of position on the track, but also there's a number of people in pit lane. We've got potentially cars being stacked. So I'm personally quite a fan of a lot of the rules we do have uh, enforced in pit lane. But I suppose in recent times we're seeing it play a big role and perhaps that begs the question, is the pressure starting to, you know, get to the teams and we're seeing mistakes that we shouldn't be seeing and maybe that's making it more interesting. On the flip side to that is when it, it causes such a big implication to, to the driver and the team at the time, maybe it does, you know, play too heavily in, in favour of um, those that are just doing the right pit stop. So it's a, it's a fine line, I think, up until this point, we haven't really even considered it being too much of an issue, but I don't know what it is. Again, we talk about getting to the middle of the year. It's when it starts to get tough on everyone. They're coming up to uh, a few more uh, breaks. Hopefully everyone gets a, a bit of a, a rest in throughout the next couple of races to get back on it, and hopefully we start seeing a few less of these mistakes. Mm. Tom, what's your thoughts? I think that um, the rules are there for a reason, but the penalty needs to fit what the crime is. For example, uh, if the car controller interferes with the car like we saw at um, Adelaide with the sticker gate, um, 
should it really be the driver that's penalised for that? If it's spinning wheels, then you could argue that that's definitely driver error and that should be a driver penalty. So I think we, we need to be looking at what's actually, what the infringement is and working out whether that should actually be the team that gets penalised or just the driver. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a tough one for uh, Jason Bright, but uh, he, you could see on the video, his, his uh, crewman was about to pull that tyre off when it started spinning. Oh, I think I've got no issues with, with that penalty at all. And um, yeah, whether he just didn't have the, his foot on the brake when the... Uh, when the rattle gun went off and it, that caused it, or whether it was um, he bumped the throttle, but that was definitely his mistake. Yeah, definitely indeed. All right, well, we'll be back with more here on Inside Supercars right after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's, it's no fun back there, trust me. Trust me. It's no fun at all. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. You'd be a proponent of that because you're not paying it for it. So I can promise you that um, ultimately for the people who are paying for it, it's not. A, it will never happen. Supercars Today. Each weekday morning at sports. Radio.com.au or sign up for the podcast today. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Samantha Reed and Tom Worsley joining me, Craig Ravel. And uh, guys, uh, interesting point, and I'll go to Tom first. Uh, do we think Erebus is now ahead of Nissan in the uh, performance stakes? <sighs> it's really hard to judge that one. It's, um, I think we're seeing Erebus up the front of the field a little bit more now um, but Nissan's juggling four cars uh, and we've seen we've seen them towards the front in various sessions as well uh, purely based on podiums yes um, but I think it's still uh, it, there's not enough consistency from either to, to make that sort of call what about you Samantha yeah, it, this is an interesting one. I think we've certainly seen a, a bit of a mix of results from both Erebus and, and Nissan Motorsport in the in the last couple of rounds. And I, I still can't help but think there's some parity things that are in behind there. As to whether they're right or wrong, I, I sort of think they're probably not quite fine-tuned the way they could be at the moment. And I, I think most of what we're seeing is just a case of what situation is the team at and does that actually suit the conditions of the circuit we're racing at? So Townsville, for example, you know, we've got these great big long straights out of, you know, first gear kind of corners and that was never going to suit Nissan. I think they were well aware of that going into that particular uh, event. So you sort of see them towards the back and Erebus performing better at times and, and then vice versa. We're seeing the opposite and, and Erebus certainly had some great uh, podium positions early on this season as well. So I think there's still a fair bit to go for the two of them before they start matching it with the others, and I can certainly sense there's a bit of frustration probably from both teams. And I think on the flip to that, I think also Erebus is... Now, for me, I feel like there's a, a little bit more of a energy floating around with those guys, just with, you know, we've started to see a little bit more of an presence of the Mercedes-Benz brand uh, on, the, on the cars, and I think that that just brings a little bit more excitement to the team as well. And we all know that that's the sort of thing that can just that edge to lift everybody up it, it 
contributes to his performance. So the next couple of rounds will be interesting as well. Obviously, we saw some frustration from Todd Kelly expressed earlier in the week uh, around some parity issues. So what will eventuate out of that will be interesting to see. Yeah, will be indeed. All right, to other stories now. And uh, I want to take up the uh, one that uh, Charlie Sporkholt put up with a one or two session sin bin. Uh, Samantha, can you see that working? And uh, I certainly wouldn't like to see the car park, so that means you need to have another driver in there to get the car on the racetrack. Yeah, look, that's a fantastic idea. The idea of keeping the cars out there but swapping drivers in would add an element of excitement for the fans as well. But I suppose at the same time, you've got to look at what other implications come in as part of that. And I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't be uh, enforcing stricter penalties when big issues uh, arise on, on the track. But, you know, then where do we draw the line as to what's serious enough to to warrant a sin bin type activity and then which driver's stepping in does that then create its own set of issues because we've got inexperienced drivers in the seat with serious championship contenders yes it shakes the series up is it good for the fans and for the for the supercar brand i'm not sure that it will work you know there's a lot of money on the stake uh, at these race weekends and Unfortunately, we, we like to think it's all about other things that drive our sport, but that's a big part of it. And the sponsors have invested in that team and potentially those drivers and to see them stepping out for one or two races here or there. Yes, it may pick up the act of the drivers, but I think there's other ways we can achieve that. Mm. All right. What about you, Tom? Uh, I, I agree with Sam. It's, it's incredibly difficult to, um, to judge you know, this offence causes for suspension this offence doesn't it's uh and if you look at other um other sports like football it's generally around injury and potential risk of injury and given that these cars are so safe that you can't use that sort of uh test to figure it out so mm. it's almost I as if well if you're right if you if the damage is worth two hundred thousand dollars then you miss a race if it's uh, you know, $20,000, then you might have to do a drive-through or it might be just a racing accident. It, 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 it is a, such a tough one to try and police. Oh, but then car parts might increase all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> depends, depends who you are, some people say. Exactly. <laughs> Look, um, what about pit procedures? Have we reached a stage where if we can't have a pit bay for every car, do we need to say we're going to change the rules and say you can't stack the cars or is that just too big a penalty to the uh, car that the team decides not to come in under the safety car oh that's an interesting one isn't it i uh i'm often of you know if someone's out the front and fought hard for it even if their teammates there they should have a fair shot and so the idea of double stacking is keeps them in the mix as much as possible. But on the flip side, I kind of think it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to, to leave them out there and make them try a completely different race strategy. It's certainly one way of, of shaking things up and avoiding the, the confusion that happens in pit lane. But I suppose some would argue that that confusion in pit lane is half the entertainment for the race as well because it can cause all sorts of other dramas. So I, I'm a bit unsure on this one personally. Uh-huh. What do you think, Tom? I think that the only way that you can say no double stacking is if everyone's on a level playing field and you just close the pits completely during a safety car intervention. So, uh, you know, I think the owners should be on the teams as to what strategy they're running if they want to run the risk of 
leaving a car out instead of double stacking. I think that that always makes things uh, quite interesting. Uh, but um, you know, if if they want to double stack, they should have the option. Mm-hmm. Well, a final thought after the break here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. A final thought now on Inside Supercars, Samantha Reid. Well, earlier this week, we've seen Susie Wolfe, after 22 years, the first woman to take part in a Formula One Grand Prix race weekend. Uh, She's a young Scot, set to pilot uh, Viteri Bosses uh, Williams in Friday opening free practice session at Silverstone. Interesting, uh, 2024, that would make, uh, if we go by the same maths, after Leanne Tander in 2001-2002, will it be 2024 before we see the next female in Australian V8 supercars? Mm, Tom Worsley. There's um, a lot of talk up and down pit lane about sponsorship at the moment and uh, the value of, of different parts of the car. And I I think that it, given that there's a couple of cars struggling for sponsors, uh, I'm not sure the uh, economy of the sport's in a great position. All right, then. And uh, I'm just going to put out there that... Uh, we're going to have the wild cards announced very soon on who will be at Bathurst. I think there's a fair chance those people that are getting wild cards this year are also seriously considering the wrecks that are up for auction at the moment. Samantha Reed and Tom Wordsley, thanks for joining us on Inside Supercars. Pleasure as always. Thank you. That's all we have time for this week. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.